Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Mr. Pat Morita. Lenny Bruce's mother named him the hip nip, but he hung on because now all of a sudden he had an angle. He would tend to do the same show over again, <laughs> and then he couldn't figure out why he wasn't getting laughs. I don't think he paid much attention to the rules of the game. You know, he kind of did what he wanted to do. He really embraced the things that many of us run away from. He, he ran to it. He opened for Victor Moan, Connie Stevens, and uh, Red Fox, who put him on his show. He was just a lovely, lovely man. Pat went on and became a huge star. And he created one of the iconic characters in American cinema. One thing I learned with comics is they were actually some of the most unhappy, tortured people, and their comedy comes from pain. I mean, he was in a cast for like nine years, from his knees to like his neck for his childhood. The day he gets out, he walks into a war. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 323. Releasing February 5 on digital is more than Miyagi, the Pat Morita story, a documentary that delves into the life and career of the legendary Pat Morita. Featuring depth-filled insight from an impressive roster of interview heads and never-before-seen archive footage, more than Miyagi not only presents the struggles that Morita had to endure throughout his life, but also presents the impact the Oscar nominee had both on and off the screen, which can still be felt today. And joining me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is the director of More Than Miyagi, Kevin Derek. Kevin, I thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. So I was reading an interview that you did um, for, I think it was for um, The Real Miyagi from a couple of years ago, and you talked about how documentaries are love projects and you really truly need to believe in the subject matter so what was it about pat morita that really inspired you with the passion to make a documentary about him you know we were working on a documentary back in 2015 that one was called the real miyagi Um, i've been stuck in this karate universe for a while now but anyways that was a documentary on my karate master fumio demura he had done all the Stunts for Pat Morita and all of the films that he's done, all the Karate Kid franchise, the O'Hara series and all that stuff. Mm. So they were pretty good friends. And it was important for me to interview at least someone from Pat's side, which was Evelyn. You know, Evelyn was uh, the third wife of Pat Morita. So when after the interview, she started telling me all these stories, like on the side, she said, you know, how he suffered so much in tuberculosis, internment camp, and then how he saw his father die in front of him. And all of these stories stuck with me. And then a year later, when the documentary came out on Netflix, she called me, she said, um, Kevin, the documentary made me so emotional. This is, he did such an awesome job. And that's where I took it upon myself to ask her. I said, hey, Evelyn, what do you think if we do a documentary on Pat? In the beginning, she she was excited, but she said she wants to do a narrative instead, like, you know, a biopic feature on his life. Mm. And I said, well, this would be a good start because it would generate a lot of interest and then it will be easier for us to 
you know, uh, get a producer attached and get financing and all that stuff. So basically that's how uh, that came to be about. And at the same time, Pat was working on a manuscript. Uh, uh, he started, I think he started writing that in 1996. He didn't really get to finish it. I think he got maybe, I would say like 75% through. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Pat told Evelyn, hey, if anything happens to me, I want you to finish this and get it out there somehow, whether it's a book, whatever, you know, documentary film or whatever, because, you know, if I can save a poor soul from going through what I went through, that would be worth it for me. So I guess in a way, making this documentary, you know, we kind of fulfill Pat's uh, wishes. You mentioned before that when you spoke to Evelyn, um, that she told you all about Pat's story. You mentioned the um, spinal condition that he had. He was in the cast from the ages of two to eleven, and or, or taken to an internment camp right after. I think it was right after he left the hospital, was taken straight to an internment camp during World War Two. These stories, how much of this did you know of, or of any of it at all, before um, you met Evelyn and she told this to you? You know, I. Did, well, you know, there's only a little bit of research you can do online. I mean, the only thing that it says it's, uh, you know, about is tuberculosis and internment camp. Yeah. The only thing that I really didn't know was how severe his alcoholism was mm. and what he turned into after he drank. I mean, Pat is a lovely, nice person. Whoever that I speak with, they have nothing but kind words to say. But, you know, it's alcoholism. Uh, people can relate to it. I, I, I'm sure, you know, you probably know of someone or someone in your family. Like my family, I have like two uh, uncles that are alcoholics. So it's, it, you know, it's like a disease is what Evelyn says in the film. It's kind of like having cancer. You know, you don't stop loving someone just because they have cancer. So this is the kind of same thing. I think when people watch this and they realize, all the stuff that he went through, it kind of justifies him drinking. I mean, if it was me, I would have probably done worse things, mm. you know? You met actually met Marita back when you were 15 years old, I think it was. How did that come about and what memories do you have of that encounter? Oh, true. Uh, well, the same sensor that I was talking to you about, uh, Fumi Demura, he had a yearly tournament and then every year, there would be someone that shows up, Chuck Norris, Bob Wald, all the karate, uh, you know, famous karate people. And then this was 1983, I think, a year before the karate kid came out. So I had only known him as Happy Days uh, Arnold. Mm. So I go to the tournament and I see him sitting next to my karate teacher. And right next to him, there's an empty chair. So, I mean, I was 15 and I, I don't have a problem like approaching anyone. If I need to say something to someone, I just, you know, go, go and just tell them what I think. So anyways, I just went and sat right next to him and I said a few things. He very nice, warm, loving person. He could relate to kids. Uh, he likes kids because, you know, the, the experience he had in the internment camps, you know, he just feels for, for kids and he likes to help them. So basically, we just sat and talked for a little brief talk. And then I asked him, hey, can I get a picture with you? And luckily, my brother was there and he was a photographer and he took a picture. And that was my only, um, uh, you know, uh, experience that I had with him. And then, uh, you know, who would have known 30 years later I would be doing a documentary on his life. So it's just, just kind of weird how it played out. If he was there with your sensei, uh, Fumio, um, does that mean he was already cast as Miyagi at that point? 
Um, you know, jo um, John Avildsen already had his eyes set on Pat Morita. It was the producer, Jerry Weintraub, who was bringing in every uh, karate master. But the problem was none of the karate masters that he was bringing from Japan or from here, their English wasn't really that good. Mm. Uh, Sensei Fumi Demer was telling me when he went, he thought, you know, it's just like a line or something that he has to do. And then when he got the script, it, you know, page after page, it said Miyagi, Miyagi, Miyagi. And he said, this is not my thing. There's no way I can remember all this, uh, all these lines. And you know, his English is kind of limited. And I, according to him, he said, you know, I just passed on it. Yeah. The thing about um, Pat Morita that really struck me when I was watching the movie is that he really seems like a man that was stuck, stuck between two cultures. And I think that can be the case quite a bit with people who come from immigrant families. So my family came to Australia from Croatia in 1969. So I'm a first generation Australian. And I think with yourself, you're from, your family's from um, Iraq. Is that correct? Iran. Well, I'm from Iran, yes. Iran. Yes. And so I'm sure that you can also kind of sympathize with this as well in that I don't know about you, but with myself, I'm kind of like in the same boat as Marita in that I'm proud of the heritage I come from. I'm not that immersed in it, though. And it seemed to be the same thing with uh, Pat Marita. He didn't know Japanese. He never really went to Japan. I think Karate Kid Part 2 was actually filmed in Hawaii and not in Japan. Correct. That's correct, yes. And um, so do you think that lack of really true connection to his ancestry became a like, cause of shame for Marita in any part during his life? Uh, you know, well, you, you have to think that, okay, his family was poor. So when the time that he was spending in the hospital from ages 2 to 11, they, were, they lived far away and they really couldn't come and see him all the time. So it's basically the nurses that raised him. Mm. So, and then, you know, they spoke English. And the only time that he got a chance to be with his family the whole time is, you know, when the war happened and they took him to the internment camps. And at that point, all he could speak was English and his parents didn't really know that much English. So I'm sure it was difficult for him. Um, yeah, that, that I, I don't really know that much like what he went through and all that stuff. So basically, you know, from what I gather from all the interviews that I did, I'm assuming it must have been really difficult for him. Something um, that really struck me as well is just how prolific he was in the 70s. I knew that he was in Happy Days as Arnold. Um, and I, I remember seeing him in MASH. We have the reruns here quite a bit in Australia of both shows. Um, but he was like stand-up. He was a stand-up comedian in the 70s. Um, his nickname, and any offence to anyone out there, I'm very sorry, but his name was the Hip Nip. Um, and a lot of it did do with stereotype and typecasting. You know, representation is such a big thing on the screen today. It seemed to me, though, that Marita wanted to be anything but an Asian caricature, considering, you know, his connection with his um, uh, Japanese ancestry, etc. He, he did come across more American than Japanese in a lot of ways, and I think he really, really wanted that as well. Do you think that is something that you took away from looking at his career uh, from the outside in? You know, we actually were going to call this documentary The Hip Nip, mm. believe it. But then through some research and talking to some people, they said, no, 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 no. That's not a good idea. If you do that, you're going to piss a lot of people off. Right. And, I, and I told them, well, that's the name that he was given. It's not like I made this up and I'm just trying to be controversial. That that was what he was known for. Yeah. But, you know, 
I don't think anyone in any culture likes to be stereotyped for any reason. I mean, uh, you, I mean, you come from another country, and it, you know, a great example is the Black uh, Lives Matter and what's happening with them uh, in the Middle Eastern community. You, I mean, if you watch the media, they sh they basically brainwash you on both sides. Mm. It just, um, it just from my experience. I mean, uh, you show uh, someone, uh, you, you know, that's wearing a hijab, the first thing people do instantly is think about a terrorist. Right. You see a Middle Eastern person with a beard, first thing that comes to your mind is terrorist. I mean, it, 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 gets to, it gets so bad to a certain extent that one time I went and I was, uh, we were protesting something peaceful. It was in, in, in downtown LA. And I was surrounded by people who were the same culture I was. And I felt a little tense. Mm -hmm. Why? Because all the stuff that they're showing you in the media, even though everyone looked like me, everyone talked like me, still I was, I was frightened. Why? Because of what they're feeding you in the media. So, you know, the same thing with Asian, Asian culture. Uh, you look at an Asian, you automatically think that he knows the martial arts or mm. this Asian guy is a, is a bad driver. I'm sure that gets uh, tiring after a while. I, you know, I'm sure Pad wanted to be portrayed as a doctor, a lawyer, or just simply as an American, mm. you know? And I, I don't think he got the chance to do that. If you really analyze Karate Kid, what is the, the, the character of Mr. Miyagi? It's a stereotypical character. It's an it's a Japanese master. Mm. So even though it was done in a positive way, and uh, everyone, I mean, it's an iconic character, and I'm very happy for him that he got a chance to do that. But still, it this is a stereotypical uh, character. And what now after 90 years of Oscar is they finally changed the qualification. Uh, you know, that I think 50% of your cast uh, has to be minor. I don't know, 50, 25, it's a percentage that has to be minorities in order to be qualified. And this is after 90 years. So, you know, we're slowly getting there, but still all the, the stereotypical stuff still goes on to this day. You mentioned Karate Kid, Justin, and of course, the, the movie, your movie is more than Miyagi. Miyagi, of course, Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid movies, for which Pat uh, Morita was um, Oscar nominated for. You know, for all of the work that he's did, done and did after that, I, I didn't even know he was actually nominated for Emmy and Golden Globes after the Karate Kid for other roles. Um, right. This is the role that people will always remember Pat Morita for. Do you, do you think that he viewed that as a blessing or a curse? You know, to be known for anything is great. I spoke to a whole bunch of people, like even Henry Winkler. He said, you know, it's it's very hard coming out of what people perceive you as. So he was yeah. always fans and stuff like that. So Pat went through the same thing. If you look at his IMDb page uh, after Karate Kid, it was Karate Master this, Karate Master that. Mm. There was a title that I saw. It was, it was called The Karate Dog. But, you know, it... Uh, that that's a question that I would have liked to ask him. I'm sure you know any kind of work as an actor is great, but mm. at the same time you want to, uh, you know, be known for other things as well. Look at uh, I mean a good example is the the all the Karate Kid films, the female stars like Elizabeth Chu, mm. Henry uh, Hilary Swank, Robin Lively, they distance themselves from the Karate Kid films. 
all of them. I mean, the, you don't see them doing any kind of interviews. It's just lately, after 30 years, Elizabeth Chu is coming and, and doing stuff. But they distance themselves on purpose so they they don't get pigeonholed like that. Mm. Especially when you're 20 years old, I'm, you know, it's not a good thing. But now they already been established. Hillary's, you know, a wonderful actress. She's been established, won awards and stuff like that. So right now it doesn't matter if she comes back and talks about it. But I'm sure all of them, they distance themselves for that reason. You know, looking at your um, filmography and martial arts plays, a big, big role in it. Um, you have a documentary still with martial arts themes as well. You yourself are, are a martial arts practitioner. Um, you know, back when Karate Kid came out, how just how big was that in regards to martial arts in America? Is there, can you definitely put down a line in the sand and, and say there was a pre-Karate Kid and post-Karate Kid um, time in America when it came to that movie? Yes, yes. I don't know if you remember when Enter the Dragon came out with Bruce Lee. Uh, that's uh, 73. Correct. So that started like a Kung Fu sensation. I don't know if you remember that song. This is everybody is Kung Fu fighting. Remember? Yes, yes. It's the same thing Karate, uh, karate Kid did for the, uh, the karate uh, um, uh, uh, world. It, when it came out, it was 1984. Uh, you know, at that point, I, I had already been in karate for five years, and I was a red belt or something like that. Mm -hmm. So the karate kid film was a big deal for us being in martial artists because it legitimized what we were doing. Yeah. And it popularized karate to, you know, to the general public. And all of a sudden, karate is like in the forefront and everyone wanted to take karate. I remember in my uh, sensei's uh, class for a whole month, you would see people lined up wanting to sign up. It, and I remember the opening night very clearly. It was, I usually never like stand in lines to watch film, but for this one, the lines were, I, I live in Orange County, in uh, Orange County, California, and the lines were wrapped around all the way, you know, around the mall for people to watch that film. And the funniest story is that I run a film festival and 30 years later, we ended up honoring John Avildsen the director of the Karate Kid film in the same theater that I watched the Karate Kid film when I was 15 years old. So I think that was kind of, it, it, it's weird how things happen, you know. It is. And speaking how weird how things are happening, now Cobra Kai is such a big show and three seasons in, everything Karate Kid is just huge. Um, you know, when you started working on this documentary, More Than Miyagi, what, how long ago was that? In, and was there at that time, was Cobra Kai out yet or was there or was, was that in production at all? No, no, there was no uh, Cobra Kai at all in sight. It was, we started 2016. Uh, you know, when uh, when you do a love project, you you don't have financing upfront and then you have to use your own money and yeah. you gotta call everyone yourself. And what, it, what took long is the interviews that we had to set up because we had to work around all these people's schedules and all that stuff. So yeah, 2016, we started shooting and then a Cobra Kai came a year after that. And then when they were in the first season is when we, interviewed uh, Ralph Macchio and he was telling us about, you know, how that happened and all that stuff. I mean, it's in such an impressive group of people that you have in your film. You mentioned Ralph Macchio, Dave Wim Zapka, Martin Cove, 
um, and also, you know, people from you know, Henry Wrinkler, other people from the Happy Days cast as well, and Larry Miller and Tommy Chong from the stand-up uh, scene. Um, you know, I, I, to me, it says something about Pat Morita, the man, that um, everyone um, will want to step up, go on camera, interview, talk about him in such impressive fashion, in such warm fashion. Um, you know, if a person's life can be weighed by the impact that they had on people, what do you say uh, that says about Pat Morita as a man and as an actor? You know, obviously, um, all the people that we interviewed, Pat had somehow, you know, uh, have impacted their life for the better. That's the reason they participated. I mean, none of them we really had to convince and say, hey, please, or well, they did it because they loved Pat. And yeah. Pat was a warm, loving, funny, kind human being. And, you know, I hope he's looking down on us and giving us a thumbs up right now. But, yeah. I think he's going to give a thumbs up to this documentary for sure. For everyone out there, more than Miyagi, the Pat Morita story releases February 5th. Um, you can actually, there's a website, morethanmiyagi.com, and there you can see where the film is um, uh, screening. Uh, worldwide for Vimeo, for all my Australian listeners, for um, people in the US, you have Amazon, you got Vudu, Google Play. Um, and also at the website, you can pre-order the Blu-ray and DVD now. There's T-shirts, there's posters. It's a really cool website, morethanmiyagi.com, um, and that's for the More Than Miyagi, the Pat Morita story documentary, February 5th, and Kevin Durant, thank you very much for your time today and congratulations with the film it was such a great watch it was such an illuminating watch as well and um, I think it's really going to remind people just what a complete showman and entertainer and also a uh, terrific human being Pat Morita was so congratulations to you in regards to that thank you so much thanks for having me I really appreciate it Matt